Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go.
Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. And today I have the honor of talking to Christine Hessler. She left her successful job as a Hollywood agent to pursue a life that she could be passionate about. She is a best-selling author, and for over a decade, she's been a speaker, a retreat facilitator, spiritual psychologist, and life coach. And you guys, I'm so excited about all of the amazing information you are about to receive. And most of all, I am going to be an avid follower of her new top rated podcast over it and on with it. And you guys, you get coached live on the air and you get to tune in and listen. So you can guarantee I will be following every episode and I hope that you do too. So let's get started. Christine, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Lori. Thank you. Okay, so literally, I have heard so much about you. It's crazy. And I've I've been creeping on your site. And (laughs) I can already tell you're one of those just girl, like a girlfriend, literally, because just the way that you come across in the way that you write and in the way that you speak in the short time that I've gotten to speak to you, I already feel like it's just a conversation. And that's what I love. So can you take me back to a time long before maybe you knew who you were, or you knew that you were going to get into this field of life coaching, speaking, being a best-selling author? Oh my gosh. Well, I can I can talk about the time that really was the big pivot for me, um, and it was happened in my twenties, and I was working as a very successful agent in Hollywood, and pretty much checked everything off the list. I had the great job. I was making over six figures when I was twenty five years old. I had the wow. the boyfriend, the fancy you know office and clothes and the whole deal, and I I just still wasn't happy. And I spent the large majority of my life up until that point not happy. I was put on Prozac when I was 10 years old. And I was always kind of looking for something outside of me to make me feel better about myself. I was also very, very insecure and compensated on that by being a massive overachiever. And, you know, that that's kind of great on the goal line of life because being an overachiever, I was able to check a lot of things off the list. But on the soul line of life, on the internal level, I I was living in when thens and I was never happy. So to make a long story short, basically what happened is I ended up resigning from my career because I just reached a place where I literally was having panic attacks walking into the office and I just knew it wasn't where I was supposed to be. And then after I resigned, I thought, you know, everything would be hunky-dory. You know, I, I heard stories about people take a leap of faith and then everything just gets better. And no one really talks about the free fall after you take a mm-hmm. leap of faith. So I free fell for a while and I ended up um, going into lots of debt because I was trying to keep up with my Hollywood lifestyle. I got, was estranged from my family for a while. I got diagnosed with an undiagnosable autoimmune disorder. I really was lost in terms of my career, which questioned my whole identity because I identified myself by what I did. And then six months before my wedding, uh, the, my fiance at the time dumped me like cold turkey. Wow. So in a short period of time, I lost everything I clung to for security, safety, control, and I- identity. Um, and that really was the turning point for me because I ended up on my bathroom floor one night questioning whether or not I really wanted to be in the world anymore. And that was when I had my first, as an adult, because I think we have a lot of them as a child, but that was my first adult God moment where I had this feeling of overwhelming love and compassion that came from the inside. And that's when the light bulb went on inside of me of, oh my gosh, I've been living my entire life from the outside in. That isn't the answer. There's got to be another way and I want to find it. 
Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. That, that is amazing. I, I did not know any of that about you. So that's really incredible. And that makes me ask, want to ask you this question. So when you realized that it was, you know, a, a God moment, I love that because I truly think those are those moments that it just opens our eyes to everything that could make us happy. But before that, it was like, obviously you were achieving for a reason you attached yeah. achievement to love. Was there a moment where you were like, Oh, achievement equals love. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I don't think it was one moment. I think it was cumulative moments. And I think this happens to everybody when we're little, you know, usually be before the age of 12, often the age of seven for a lot of us, you know, something happens that makes us question whether we're good enough or loved or worthy in some way. And for me, I was, I was teased a lot. Um, my kind of my school turned against me in fourth grade. And so I made that mean there must be something wrong with me. I'm unlikable. And whenever we have a belief like that, that's just totally detrimental, we have to find some way to compensate so we feel loved again. And some people compensate by, you know, being super controlling. Some people are become people pleasers. Some people become like performers. And some people become you know, overachievers because, hey, if I can do stuff and I get awards, then that feels like love. Mm. I just realized why we really click on that level <laughs> yeah. because I kind of, I went that same route where I didn't, I didn't realize it though until my, my mid twenties, but, um, really it was like, Oh, if I achieve, I can prove everyone wrong and this is how they're going to love right. me. And that really put me into a spiral of then achieving became your identity. So that's so interesting yeah. because achievement became your identity, but the more that you achieved, were you finding that you just were not like you never, ever felt full. So even exactly. what, what point was that? Was it, had you written a book yet? Had you done anything? When did you no, really realize? Not at all. I mean, I, it was, it was, you know, kind of after that experience I described of my whole quarter life crisis. Um, and that's when I got the idea to write my first book. And mm. my first, my first two books were for people in their twenties, because that's what I really became committed to is helping people through that decade of life that just, has a lot of expectation, but even more confusion. Mm -hmm. And especially with this generation, like the world is so different. And I just felt like the old rules didn't apply. Um, not just the rules in terms of you need to get married by a certain time or have kids by a certain time or be at this level at your job at a certain time, but even the rule of find something outside of you to make you happy. Like it, it wasn't working. And like I, you know, I, I, I was spent one New Year's and I was at a small party surrounded by people like George Clooney, like literally sitting right next to me wow. at a table of six. And I still didn't feel successful or happy. And, and that's when I was like, you know, something is wrong with me. Like mm -hmm. legitimately in terms of any girl would kill to have my life right now. I mean, mm -hmm. I was going to the Oscars, Golden Globes, like everything. And I'm so grateful, Lori, that I had that access to financial success and fame and power and all of that at an early age because I got to see not only in my own life but in the lives of some rich and powerful people that I had exposure to that fame and money and power are not the key to happiness. So that 
that makes me always think, you know, because I've, I've been able to kind of be on both sides of it as well. And I feel the exact same way as you, but I really want people to understand because the people who maybe don't have that and they really view that as the carrot, right? Whatever that is, it's the, the job, the money bag car, what, whatever that goal is, what does it actually feel like? Because I kind of want people to understand that once you get there, everything just, there's like this baseline that everything settles into if you're, if you're striving for the wrong thing. So when you were there and you got those things, what does it, I mean, are you happy for a second? Does it just, I mean, what is that? Well, I think it, it really depends on, um, you know, if you're in alignment with your, your soul's calling Mm -hmm. and the entertainment industry was not in alignment with my soul's calling. And, And I, I will say there are definitely people who are rich and famous and powerful who are blissfully happy. And there are people that are broken unknown that are blissfully happy. Mm -hmm. So the external circumstances, that's not, that's not the thing. But for me, it was that feeling, like you said earlier, I think it was a perfect description, Laurie, when you said you never feel full. Mm -hmm. Like it's sort of like a moment of satiation and a high, but here's the problem. I'd reach one pillar, you know, like I'd get the promotion or I'd get the raise or I'd get so-and-so as my boyfriend or whatever it may be. But then I had to keep raising the bar. So not only did I never feel full, but like enough was never enough. And it just seemed endless to me. Mm. So it seems endless. It seems like you have this huge road in front of you. And you you said that, you know, when you were getting outside, when you really had that moment of kind of breakdown and realized that it's really, you know, intrinsic that you're going to start feeling full or that you have that God moment, what are the first steps? I mean, because that's a, that's opening a completely different door to a completely different life that you are not living. What is it like to wake up in a life that all of a sudden you realize it's not the one that's making you happy? And how do you start getting out? Oh, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. (laughs) That's why I think we have so many, you know, addictions and numbing devices Mm. out there. Everything from alcohol to food to relationship to work. That's the most like PC addiction that we have out there right Mm. now. Like it is absolutely terrifying because one, you feel like, oh my gosh, I've worked so hard to get to this point. Now what do I do? And you kind of don't want to look at it. And two, all of a sudden, a tremendous amount of uncertainty comes forward. And, you know, the ego hates uncertainty. We, we like to know. We like to know how things are going. We like to have a plan, all those kind of things. And, you know, for me and for other people that can relate to this, your whole identity, like the who am I question becomes a complete unknown as well. And I think the other reason it's terrifying is because we're not really taught the tools for how to deal with that when it happens. You know, that's why I was so passionate about writing my last book, Expectation Hangover, because I didn't have the tools the, the, to deal with the emotions that came up, to change my thoughts, mm-hmm. to understand what was driving my behavior, and also to connect to some kind of higher power so I didn't feel like I was doing this whole life thing completely on my own. So what I really encourage people in, in that – who are maybe in that position is to like, you know, let yourself feel the fear. Like don't numb the scariness. Don't numb the terror. Don't numb maybe the sadness or the anger about it. Like allow yourself to feel it and and ask really with sincerity and with strong intention, okay, I know I'm being shown something. What am I learning? Show me. Mm. And there has to be a, a, 
a level of surrender, not resignation, resignation and surrender are very different, but a level of surrender to go, all right, uncle, like Mm -hmm. I'm scared. I don't know what to do, but what I have been doing isn't working. So I'm willing to start getting out of my own way and be shown the way. Mm, That's beautiful. So Christine, why do you think we're so scared to sit with a feeling that I, I always think of that because so many people, um, you know, I've had people write me and say, I'm, I'm scared to even meditate. I'm scared to not be busy or because then they have to do what, what are they, what are we so afraid of feeling for? I think we're just afraid of feeling our feelings. I think that most people, uh, you know, and I, I know this too, from what people have told me, um, are afraid that if they open that can of worms, they're never going to get to the other side of it. Mm. And, you know, I I watch how uncomfortable, like when I lead retreats and things, I I watch how uncomfortable people are with other people's feelings. There's this awkwardness that happens. And that's kind of how we are with our own feelings. We, We don't know, like, if we start to, like, feel our sadness or feel our anger or remember those things that maybe we bottled up, like how we're going to get to the other side of it. It's sort of like going to a foreign country all by yourself, not speaking the language, having no map, having no one meeting you there and just getting off the plane and being thrown out and having to try to figure it out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it helps to have like a map or a translation book. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I really encourage people is, is to remember like, There's a part of you that's having the feeling, but then there's this other part of you that is, you know, call it your higher self, your authentic self, that is full of so much love and compassion. And we have to start nurturing a relationship with that higher self, that authentic self. So when these big feelings come up, we can say to ourselves, it's okay, let it out, you're safe, it's okay. And so I, I like to teach lots of tools for feelings. Um, one of the tools that I teach is release writing. And when people have a big feeling, they just get a piece of paper and just start writing. Like, I'm angry because, I'm sad because, I'm scared because, whatever it may be. And you write and write and write often faster than you can, you know, you're, you're thinking and emoting faster than you can write. So it kind of looks like scribble. And then you just keep writing until the feeling moves through you. And then when you're done, you rip it up and throw it away. You know, and I also teach people how to have like adult version of temper tantrums <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, as little kids, we knew how to do that. Mm. And if you watch a little kid get upset and you don't interrupt them and you just let them work their own process, they get to the other side of the tantrum and they end up just soothing themselves. Mm. And this is just all stuff we know how to do, but we've forgotten. And, you know, at different points in our life, we were told, don't cry. Big boys, don't cry. You know, be a strong girl. Shake it off. I don't want to hear you crying, all those things. And so we've just become masterful at suppression. Mm, That is amazing. I'm going to do the writing one because literally (laughs) I can think of some things I need to write through right now, but it's so, so true. You just brought up a moment for me that really, um, I didn't know how I was going to get to the other side. I was actually feeling feelings of jealousy, which I had not, I was ashamed to even say them out loud. Like here I am this person who's preaching about supporting women. And I'm actually so jealous right now. I need, I needed space to be able to say it and get it out and come to find out once I got through it, it wasn't that at all. It was, it was fear around something else, but really we're not even giving ourselves that grace and that space because I think we're also not having conversations about it. So I love that you are like making it feel so normal. Like this is so human. So what, when people first come to you where maybe they, they need to work through something big. I mean, what, what is the first thing maybe that you say to someone if they're not going to get a coach or do programs that, that needs to work through something like that? Is it just give yourself the space? Is it find somebody who you trust or talk through it or, or what is that? 
Well, I think it's different for everybody. You know, um, people have different levels of expectation hangovers at mm-hmm. different times in their life. But the the first thing I'd say is to go back to the question, you know, what am I learning versus why is this happening? And to find some program or someone that can be a guide because we're not here to figure all this out on our own. I wouldn't be where I am today without the teachers that I've had. And what's so great about living in this world is that there's always people that are a little farther down the path than we are. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we reach out to those people because I think there's sort of this pride thing that comes up of, oh, like I should be able to get through this on my own. I should be able to figure it out on my own. But that just continues to reinforce the illusion of separation, which is one of the most core wounds that all of us have to get over. So get connected, you know, whether it be a coach or a program or community. That's the first step because we need that soul food in order to do the deep work and a lot of the the shadow work that we're talking about. You've got to feel connected and you've got to feel supported. Otherwise, it just feels too scary. Oh my gosh, yes. Connection is like my entire theme this last year because it's it's the quickest way to feel better and get your answers fast. <laughs> and it's like, why are we isolating ourselves? So connection and mentors and books and oh my gosh, all of these beautiful tools that we have so accessible that we're blocking out because we feel like maybe we get a medal for doing it alone or or, you know, that it's just something that will be strong if we do it alone. So that brings me to your book because I'm obsessed with the title, (laughs) Um, Expectation Hangover. And I talk to so many women who carry so much disappointment throughout their lives. Why, why does expect, why do we have such high expectations for other people or for our lives? And for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the highest degree of expectations, especially women, um, is the ones with the pressure we put on ourselves. I think that the most dysfunctional relationship most people have is, is with themselves. Mm. And that impacts every single area of life. So it got, kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of why we have such expect, high expectations. We're, we're oriented in this world to be very out in. You know, the things on the outside make us feel a certain way. And mm. so those levels of expectations are high because we think that that's the source of our joy, happiness, well-being, and so on. Second, back to what we were talking about, you know, about what I call compensatory strategies, you know, being the overachiever, the pleaser, the performer, the caretaker, whatever it is. Anytime we didn't feel loved or like we didn't belong or we felt separate, we come up with a way to feel better. And so we have expectations on on ourselves to to do those things so that we feel a certain way. And, you know, the other thing, the other reason I think that we do it is because, you know, part of the kind of human psychology is, is projection. You know, we often project onto other people uh, what we need to learn for ourselves or what we need to embody. So, for example, like people that bother us in life and continue to let us down because they're not matching, meeting our expectations, they're mirroring something in in us that we need to heal and resolve that we don't like about ourselves. Same thing with um, positive projection. You mentioned jealousy. You know, jealousy is an example of, I think, how positive projection works. We, we see someone that we're jealous of and we expect ourselves to be like them. And what we're missing is that the reason we're jealous is because we can see these qualities that this person has, but we're not owning them inside ourselves. Mm. We need to to own our own gifts. So it's less about living up to expectations and more about our own gifts. But I just think like in this world where we're constantly connected and like 
everybody puts their highlight reel on social media and the we the emphasis on stuff and money and fame is so high we're just it's impossible to kind of escape feeling a high degree of expectation mm. wow well thanks for that i literally wanted like one of those little uh, if i could just make the choir play when you were talking about the jealousy for me <laughs> so that is really beautiful when you can phrase it that way it's just something you know in everything that you just said it's, it's just it's perspective shifting right it's so amazing when you can take the way that you're looking at something and have someone else which is why connection mentors talking to other people is so important is because in an instant i was able to flip that so hopefully you guys you know if you heard something in there in an instant you can flip it with that perspective yeah. shift so i want to know a little bit more about your book so expectation hangover how long did it you know is this the main theme that you kept on seeing coming up and why did you want to write about it? What are some of the main themes in there that you love? Oh my gosh. Well, I, why I wanted to write about it was because in, you know, by then I had been coaching and working with people for 10 years and the highest degree of suffering happened when people's reality didn't match their expectations. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the definition, I should probably define expectation hangover. So it's when one of three things happen, either your desired result doesn't happen, your desired plan or result does happen, but you don't feel like you thought you would, you know, like I had my great job in Hollywood, but I still didn't feel happy and confident mm -hmm. or life just throws you an unexpected curveball. You get dumped, you get laid off, you get diagnosed with an illness, someone dies, like those kind of things. Mm. And, it, it threatens our sense of control and certainty. And that's when we start to suffer because not only do we feel out of control, but we start to feel regret. We start to feel down on ourselves. We start to question other people. Our faith gets questioned. Our stress levels go up. We have big emotions like shame and anger and fear and all of those things. So I what I have really gotten excited about though, about disappointment and the main reason I wanted to write this book is because as daunting as disappointment and expectation hangover sound, they really are a catalyst for the most profound growth we will ever have. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm sure in your life, Lori, and in people you talk to, when people have a disappointing experience, if they're willing to leverage it, if they're willing to go in and ask, what am I learning and milk it for all it's worth, something transformational happens. Mm. But the problem is most people want to just get through disappointment. They just want to make it better. They just want to like put their head down, get to the other side of it. But then they end up having the same kind of expectation hangovers over and over again, just with a different cast of characters in a different situation. So I wanted to give people a way to accept their disappointment, process it, heal it, and heal not only that expectation hangover, but all the ones it's triggering that it's connected to, and really learn how to leverage it so they can have more of what they truly want, not what they think that they want, not what their ego wants or not what they expected, but what they truly want. And, and so that they can find the blessing and the healing opportunity within even the hardest situations. I used to be an expectation junkie. So, <laughs> so yes. Uh, so I want to ask you, have you had, you know, because I find that I really teach on what I need the most. Like sometimes I'll be talking to people and they're like, how are you in my head? I'm like, actually, it's exactly what I need right now. So that's yes. why I'm talking about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm really just giving myself therapy and you're, you're benefiting from it. Yep. Exactly. So with that, that makes me really wonder, is, is it something that you still um, are challenged with a lot. Have you had a recent expectation hangover? If so, what did you do? What tools did you use? 
Well, I, I'm human. So of course I still have expectation hangovers, but because I teach and use these tools so much, um, I experience more time in between my expectation hangovers. I don't have them as often. And the time I spend suffering them is shorter because I know how to use the tools. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I say to people, don't expect to never be disappointed again, but expect that you're not going to be disappointed as often and you're not going to have to suffer with it as intensely as you used to. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I wrote the book, um, I had actually just gone through a divorce. And so that was the expectation hangover I was dealing with at the time. And it was you know, my manual for how to get to the other side of that. One of my coaches said, um, you know, milk this divorce for all it's worth, like Mm -hmm. go for every single healing opportunity that you possibly can. So as I was working through that, um, and it triggered, you know, so much inside of me, I, that's when the book really came through and, you know, I don't teach anything that hasn't worked for me and, and thousands of people that I've worked with because, You know, one of my, I love the personal growth industry. I think it's amazing that it's become such a big industry. One of my, we'll call pet peeves or better word concerns with the personal growth industry is the promise of a quick fix Mm. for some of our most intense um, disappointments. Mm. And, you know, expectation hangover isn't a quick fix. It's a workbook. There's meditations and exercises and you're going to be asked to do work when you go through it. But I know that, that that kind of comprehensive deep work is what works. Mm, and it definitely does. So you said, wow, I loved this. Um, milk this divorce for all it's worth. And anyone else would hear that and be like, oh, what, you know, what are you going to get out of the divorce? You know, how much money are you going to get? What right. things are you going to get? And that is so beautiful because, you know, I think people want to get stronger. They want to move into um, this confident person that they know that they could be, but they don't understand how to create that. And I think that um, instead of avoiding the struggles, like you had said, they're, they are the most beautiful opportunities. Like you said, to heal all you can. I loved that. That was so amazing because we need those, right? Yep. We really, really need those opportunities. So sometimes life can be going along really great. And I'm like, this is so fantastic. But then you realize it's those moments sometimes that you feel like you've gotten taken down that can really, um, completely shift where you're at. Have you had anything like that recently? I, I'm happy to say I haven't. Mm, that's so good. <laughs> you know, I haven't. And I think it's because like, you know, I did so much work when I was writing this book. And, um, you know, I, I really believe in our journey. We get to a place. And, and before that, I mean, I, I met my first coach when I was 23. So, mm. you know, I, I have hit rock bottom several times. Um, but I don't know that I will again because like there's so much I've cleaned up. I'm a completely different person. Well, I'm a different person from the kind of personality based ego that I used to be that was constructed based on past wounding. Mm -hmm. I think I'm more the little girl that I always was today than I ever have been. And I never thought, especially with the history on antidepressants that I've been off for seven years now, I never thought I would be so happy and so fulfilled. And I never thought that I'd be, you know, divorced without kids, but have this amazing business where I'm helping people. And like, I love what I do. You know, I wake up every day with so much gratitude and that is not the way that I woke up Mm -hmm. the majority of my life. And that's one of the many reasons I'm so committed to this work. And I'm so passionate about helping people because 
like if it can work for me, mm-hmm. I, I know that it can work for anybody. And it doesn't necessarily have to be my work. It's just doing the work, becoming a seeker, you know, knowing that life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. And if you're willing to, to do the healing, you, w- you can get to the other side and you can literally change your life. I so feel you on that with the tools and just with really understanding that no matter what comes up, you, you just, you know how to handle it and you do, you have faith that you're getting to the other side, no matter what. So, I mean, just that in and of itself, that's what the, you know, doing the work does is it just gives you, um, faith. It just gives you faith that no matter what happens, you're going to be able to get to the other side. So do you, I know you're creative, obviously all of what you do and you put out and you share with people. Um, there was a time for me that I felt really lonely and alone in creating. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of creatives think, especially, you know, I'm from the Midwest. So it was, I used to say it was hard, but that was a perspective, right? (laughs) It was hard for me to find like-minded people, but for all of those people who maybe think that it's hard or creating is challenging or how do I, you know, I have this book in me. How do I get it out? Do you have any advice for them? Oh, well, first of all, I think creativity is such a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the ways we do alchemy. Um, so I think it's a great way to heal any, any pain that you may have. I, so many of the best books and songs and movies and pieces of art were, were sort of inspired by an expectation hangover of some sort. So, Mm. so just know, like you have to do it. Like if you're feeling that call to create, like your soul is longing for that. So please don't silence it. And, you know, for me, what I have found with creativity is that it responds really well to momentum. I've been creating and writing ever since I started, you know, 12 years ago. And with that momentum, it's easier to create every, every day. So don't feel like it has to be a masterpiece that you're creating each and every time, but create just a little something every day. And in terms of like the aloneness of it, oh my God, I totally feel that. And, and thank God for Jill who, Lori, you know, who works with me. Um, so I have somebody that I'm with a lot and, but I'll have those days where I'm working alone in my house house and I, I feel like kind of more down and more blah and more irritable. And mm. I force myself to just go walk, work in a coffee shop or go out and, and be with other people because the whole like there's not people out there or I'm alone. It's just a story. Mm. There are so many people out there. There are so many like-minded people, but we've got to put ourselves out there to be able to connect with them. So mm. have that momentum in terms of your creative process, but also have that momentum and consistently opening your heart and putting yourself out there and really believe believing that your tribe is out there and that you can meet them. Oh, yes. Amen. So, so many good things there. And I love that you said you have to literally the word force. That's the time when it's really good to use force. In my personal opinion is to get your butt out of your house when you're feeling that way, because everything I, I know I'm speaking to the same person when I say everything is screaming at you just to to stay in and you don't want to go out. It literally is like you get tired. You feel like you're 500 pounds heavier and you sit in your chair like you can't move. (laughs) It can be really debilitating, like, like feeling that, that loneliness can pull energy from you. So you have to know that just getting outside of that, right? Because the second you walk through the coffee shop, what do you feel like? Oh, so much better. So much better. (laughs) You know, and I... I actually wrote a blog about this a couple of weeks ago about like how to deal with social anxiety and doing things alone because I think what stops people is like going out alone. Mm. And just can I share a couple of tips because yes. it may be helpful. So because I used to have a ton of social anxiety. I mean, I was the girl that was teased. Like I, I hated going anywhere alone. And um, 
first thing I remember is that, you know, everyone isn't thinking about you or looking at you as much as you think that they are. Mm-hmm. You know, the story we sometimes make in our head is, oh, like people are going to be like, oh, they're alone. They're going to be looking at me. No, no, no. People are more concerned about themselves than they are about you. <laughs> so even though it feels awkward to ourselves that we stand out, nobody else really is noticing that much. Mm-hmm. So kind of let that whole story go. Um, second, like, whenever I'm going to a networking event or a place where I don't know people, I'll have a few interesting questions in mind or perhaps a a story that happened to me recently to share. But interesting questions are great because I've been at networking events and when people are like, hi, what do you do? do?" It's like, oh gosh, that question again. (laughs) But when people have asked me, so what have you done lately that scared you? Or what's the next country you're visiting or something like that? Like it just provides a different conversation. And and the easiest way to start a conversation with someone, even at a coffee shop, is to just give them a compliment. Compliments are so easy to give. People respond well to them. If you can be kind of creative in your compliment, like, oh my gosh, that necklace is amazing. What is that? Where'd you get that? Then you immediately start a conversation with someone. And the more you get out and the more that you do it, the more comfortable it will feel. Like I might, you know, go out and have dinner by yourself and talk to the waiter, talk to the bartender, be confident in your own skin so that that story of I'm alone and I can't do things alone that just keeps you isolated in your house starts to change. Mm. Oh, I love that. Especially the compliments. I have this thing where it's like when people get nervous, I just want them to remember. And and you basically said all of it, just you can deflect it. It doesn't, it's not about you. You can put it on them and ask them questions and people love to talk about themselves and, you know, be interested. I love that. That's beautiful. And it becomes a fun game, right? You're almost like, wow, this is like really fun. I just talked to 10 people in a coffee shop. Like I I'm a social butterfly where before you exactly. were full of anxiety. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is a really cool feeling. I've been playing that, uh, playing with that a lot this year because last year I was like, I relied on the story of, oh, I'm an introverted extrovert, which meant, you know, I really, I recharge away from people, but I don't love being in front of people besides being on a stage or whatnot. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, that was, that's so not me. Like now that I'm doing all of the actions of maybe an extrovert, I, I'm an extrovert. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> so really, really cool to hear that. Okay. So you had said one thing and it was actually going to be my next question, but I want to know, um, I would love to know, you know, cause you're doing so many amazing things and you have overcome so many things and you have the tools to overcome anything basically. Um, what are you, what scares you? Is there anything that deeply scares you and what do you do when you feel that? How do you move through it? Oh, I think I have um, kind of the normal human concerns. I'm I'm super close to my family in Austin, um, and so I think you know my my parents getting older, that type of thing, like mm-hmm. that shifting, that scares me a little bit, you know, because I think as a kid you you know they're going to be around forever, and then as you start to get into your you know 30s, 40s, those kind of things, mm-hmm. it's like oh wow, like. So that, that scares me, um, as on a very like human level, Mm -hmm. even though I'm like on a soul level, I know that like weren't eternal. Mm -hmm. Um, what also scares me, and this is sort of like a a more kind of reflective answer is not living into my full potential. Mm -hmm. Um, and that scares me and inspires me at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I, I really feel for me and, and for others, like not living into our full potential 
is scary. And I don't want to live my life feeling like I have any regrets. And that's also what inspires me to help as many people as I can live into their whole potential because sometimes I get scared with how the world is. And I'm seeing this massive split in consciousness. It's kind of mirroring the economy. Either people are waking up or people are falling more asleep. Mm. And the falling asleep people, that that scares me. So I want to do anything I can to help people wake up. Yeah, those are, I mean, those are really, those are a lot of the same exact fears that I have, but how do you, so, so it's easy to go down that spiral, right? Because I, I know that a lot of people, and I know even me, sometimes I'll be out for a jog and I'm having the best run ever. And once in a while, it'll just hit me like, oh, why am I getting this feeling? I hope my family's okay. Oh, I don't want to, you know, you feel yourself going down the spiral or see a news headline where you're like, oh my gosh, I, this is the world that I live in where you were just yeah. living in a beautiful place. You were seeing so many people for their beauty and what they're doing and all the good that's happening. How do you stop the spiral? Yeah, great question. So I think so much of fear comes from worry. You know, we, we get triggered by something and then we get to go to worry. And and worry is basically taking what if and following it by a negative statement. Mm. You know, what if something happens in my family? You know, what if something, you know, there's a terrorist attack in my home, like whatever, like those kind of what if statements. Right. And so we want to reframe and, and redirect our thoughts as quickly as possible so that we don't downward spiral. Mm. So the what if becomes like, what if everything is beautiful? What if I have another 30, 40 years with my parents? What if everything at home is amazing? What if the world is actually really getting better and better every day? You know, those, those kinds of things. And that's one shift. So shifting, you know, the direction of the thought and, and two, keeping our vibration at a high level, at a high frequency, because fear and doubt and panic, you know, really lowers our vibration. And so we start to attract and co-create different things. Mm -hmm. So keep your vibration elevated by really getting into gratitude. So like if I notice myself worrying about my family, I'll shift that into letting myself feel how much I love them. Mm -hmm. Because really what's underneath most fear is love anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, we're afraid we're going to lose it. So I just feel into, oh my gosh, like I could cry right now. Like I just love them so much and I'm just so grateful um, to have both my biological family and a soul family that loves me so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's just allowing ourselves to feel like let our heart burst right open and, and have tears of love and gratitude versus fear. Oh, beautiful. So that gratitude is begging to come through right now because it came up again and I'm like, it's, it's blaring in my mind. So I know it wants to be talked about. Um, (laughs) I literally, I base everything, like you said, you know, to get myself out of the spiral, you said gratitude right away, because I know that's what everybody does who does not go down that spiral. Like how do people do it? How do they stay out of the fear and anxiety of anything, right? Of launching a business, of losing our family, of fear around what's going on in the world. And truly it's all based in gratitude. So that gets me to what is your gratitude practice? I know that you just said you have to really allow, like I always say, allow yourself to feel like on a cellular level. So it's just consuming you. But I think people need to understand how we do that. Can you, you know, because, okay, you're having a bad day. Let's just say you're having a bad day (laughs) and you're like, I'm just going to be grateful for everything. I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for this, but it doesn't shift right away. So what do we have to do? What does a gratitude practice look like for you? 
Well, for me, it, it, it is the constant practice, but also like every night before I go to bed, I write down just things during the day that I'm grateful for. Like, so you'll be on the list tonight, Lori. Um, yeah. And just the little things, everything from like, you know, someone helping me with my groceries to big things, um, like a new great client or a speaking gig or whatever. And that kind of nightly practice, it I go to bed with like gratitude in my mind and in my heart. And so I I wake up with it. And so I think a ritual or a practice around it, anything that we're doing on a consistent basis, our experience of it and our access to it is automatically going to increase. So do some kind of ritual, some kind of practice where you're consciously bringing your mind to gratitude. It's kind of like, have you ever had the experience where you're thinking of buying a new car? Like say you're thinking about getting an Audi. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden they're everywhere. You Mm -hmm. see them everywhere because you're thinking about it and it's in your mind and you're researching it, that type of thing. So the more you have a ritual and a practice around gratitude, the more you're going to see it, the more you're going to feel it, the more you're going to experience it. Mm, yes. And it, it does not take long. It's just noticing, right? It's becoming that totally. person who's feeling it to that person who's actually noticing what you're thinking and what you're doing and how you can shift that. And sometimes it can. It's like, you know, I think the thing that we need to move into the most has the most resistance around it. So we can be like, why is this so hard at first? And sometimes it's just all the little things that we're grateful for, like my cup of coffee this morning, my, yeah, <laughs> you know, the fact that I have a car that turned on when I, when I went to start it. So, and little things. So sometimes my list is just little tiny things every single day added up. So I, I love that. And I want to know, um, more about your retreats because I'm a retreat junkie because I really <laughs> think that it is like the key to growth, not just retreats, getting out there and learning from people, but retreats are extra amazing because they get you so far outside of your normal world. So please tell me about what you have going on, why you started them, just all about them. Yeah. Well, I love retreats too. I've had some of the most profound and lasting transformations and healings at retreats. And, you know, there's something magical that happens when a group of people come together and they're all committed to doing the work. It's like, everything's accelerated, you know, so you learn about your own experience, but you also learn so much from all the people there. And, you know, I, I feel like the retreat experience is one that's completely sacred. I think that we live in a world that is way too isolated. Like even the whole idea of a nuclear family, you know, two people and kids like living in the house, we used to live in tribes and we used to live in communities and, coming back together in circle and spending that time in community, just that alone, even if you didn't do any transformational work while you were there, just that alone, especially for women who it's in our like DNA to want to sit in circle together, just that alone is healing. Mm. So that that's a big part of it, just coming together with people. And then, you know, I, I teach very experiential retreats. So it's not a lot of sitting around and listening to lecture. You're moving through, we do a ride through the emotions. You're learning different archetypes. You're experiencing the transformation right then and there um, so that it becomes a reference point for the rest of your life. And part of why I'm so like inspired to create them and to keep hosting them is because I feel a responsibility to share and teach the work that worked for me when I thought nothing else would. And, you know, it's like, you know, when you eat at a really great restaurant and you want to tell everybody about it because it was just so good, like you want as many people to go there and experience it as possible. That's how I feel about retreats. And and that's the format I feel like I can share that most. Oh my goodness. We, 
we have so much in common. I cannot wait to, I'm like, when can we go to lunch? Cause I'm yeah. already like thinking of all of these amazing things. Um, that's what I, so I'm, that's what I'm in love with is experiential, um, just le- learning in that way, because it's, it's like when I'm spoken to, we all learn in so many different ways. And when I'm spoken to, I, I get it, but it's not until you really try it right there. And then you realize if you did it once or you move through it once that you can actually do this again. And especially with all of that tribe of women around you, it's just like insurance. That's like, we got you. We've totally got you. So now it's okay to take risks because even if you fail, we still love you. And, um, I love that. So you guys, please check that out. Where can we go if we want to check out your retreats? Because I'm interested. Yeah. So thanks for asking. I've got two coming up. I've got my signature retreat in July, and this is the one that I do um, sometimes twice a year. It's it's the most impactful in a short amount of time. It's just a Friday through Sunday. And then I've got a trip to Bali. I love doing international retreats in sacred spiritual places. So it's a mix of um, coaching and transformational experiences and uh, sightseeing, but sightseeing in an experiential, um, intentional way so that like you have healings through the different sacred places that we go to and luxury and great food. And so the Bali one is in September, September 16th through 22nd. And if you just go to my website, christinehassler.com, um, all the info, info is there, or you can just email Jill at christinehassler.com and she'll give you all the deets amazing so where else I know that we talked a lot about your books and I really want people to be able to grab um expectation hangover so is that on your website as well yeah or Amazon or bookstores or wherever you buy books okay amazing all right so before we close I've just got one last question for you yeah all right so obviously this is earn your happy so (laughs) I want to know if you were on an elevator with someone and you had about 10 seconds and they ask you desperately before they leave how do I make myself happy what would you tell them in a sentence or two oh gosh love and accept yourself every single day be kind and compassionate with yourself become your number one fan and everything else will reflect that so beautiful thank you so much for coming on today my pleasure it was an honor to have you and you guys if you loved this episode and you know anyone who could benefit from it please shout it from the rooftop share and go to christinehasler.com and until next time make sure you earn your happy bye everyone Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. 
But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up With Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, Not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody going to be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. 
Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.